Welcome to At The Source. The date is Wednesday the 15th of April 2020. Can you believe we've recorded five of these coronavirus and food special episodes now? Thank you to everyone listening and contributing. With four weeks in lockdown, it's certainly helped fill my time. And if you're at home, hopefully a little bit of yours too. Here in the UK, as of today, over 98,000 people have been confirmed positive for the virus and over 12,800 have now sadly died. Globally, the death toll has passed 125,000 with confirmed cases close to 2 million. As I said in previous episodes, this isn't the happiest way to start a podcast, but every single number matters if these are even the true numbers. Each one is a person, a friend and a family member. So it just feels important to include this. Now over to tonight's episode. We actually tried to record this episode last week and technology failed us. So we're here a week later and it's been a bit of a roller coaster getting us all up and running, but I think we're there. So I'm going to introduce you to today's guests. We have Sally Prosser, a British food blogger and photographer based in Dubai. Hi, Sally. Hello, Alex. We have Roger Longman, owner of White Lake Cheese in Somerset. Hello, Alex. Uh, and we have Leon Holland, who is a chef here in Bristol. Hello. Awesome. We've done it. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, first of all, I thought each of you could tell me a little bit and my listeners a little bit about what you do usually. Um, we'll start with you, Sally, because we introduced you first. Hello. Right. Um, well, I've lived in Dubai for 20 years. Um, I've always uh, been in marketing communications, but sort of switched into mainly digital about 10, 12 years ago, um, mainly do content creation and digital strategy for food clients. But I'm uh, known as My Custard Pie uh, for my food blog and various things that I do under that name. And the most beautiful food photography you will ever see. Oh, your thank your you. Instagram always makes me starving hungry and jealous in equal quantities. <laughs> um, Leon, tell us a bit about what you do uh, in non-coronavirus times. So I'm a chef here in Bristol. I work at Massa Mezcal, sort of Mexican kitchen run by the Season and Taste group. I also run a, uh, a blog on the side as well, just sort of more of just a memoir, really, of just the places that I eat at so I can kind of remember myself. And then also if anyone is sort of interested in going to those sort of places, I can um, they can sort of research it up and have a little look at what they're expecting to get. And then I also, um, yeah, I sort of float around a few other kitchens as well in Bristol. I just, yeah, I work, work all over the place, really. It's quite fun. And last but not least, Roger, tell us what you do. <clears throat> Hi, so I'm a, I'm a farmer and cheesemaker. Uh, I'm on my family farm. Uh, I've been back on the farm for 30 years. We milk goats now rather than cows. Um, and I make a massive range of uh, goats, goats cheese, some sheep's cheese and some cow's cheese. Um, and I've been supreme champion for three years in a row. And if they don't have a competition year this year, I'm going to hold it for a fourth year. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Although I'm sure, I'm sure you would win it anyway. Yeah, that I, definitely well, sounded some, wrong. I've got some nice new cheeses to enter, so it's. Uh, well, good luck. When do the, when do the cheese awards happen? How long have you got uh, so to it's, wait? It's, it's normally the end of May, um, but they pushed them back. Oh, okay. To, um, the end of July now, so we'll we'll see what happens. Well, I really hope that we're all back to normal by the end of July. 
So now that you've each told me and the listeners a little bit about what you do in normal times, um, I'm going to ask you the same question again, um, but to tell us a little bit about how coronavirus has affected what you do. So are you doing something different now? Um, has your has your work changed and how are you continuing? And I'm going to go the other way around just to make it really exciting. Um, so Roger, we'll start with you this time. Okay, so I, I, I have two hats, farmer hat and, and cheesemaker hat. So I'll talk about farming first. Um, so all my milk I produce, I turn into cheese. Um, since the coronavirus hit, the, the cheese sales have, have plummeted. So I'm now selling some of that milk to uh, another company who bottle it for supermarkets, which has helped me massively. Otherwise, I'd be throwing the milk away like a lot of other farmers are at the moment because um, you can't just – most people can't just switch from one supply chain to another. So I know milk suppliers who were supplying McDonald's are having to throw the milk away because McDonald's aren't buying it. Um, oh my goodness! So, so that's the farming side of it. Um, you know, we've got we've gone from a ridiculously wet winter to an extremely dry spring. I've just been walking the fields today, and there are three inch cracks in the ground. Um, my neighbour drilled some spring wheat about three weeks ago, and nothing's growing. Um, so farmers are never happy with it, whether it's too wet or too dry, and that's very much the case at the moment. Um, on the cheese side of things, when this sort of hit three weeks ago, we had about £40,000 worth of soft cheese that we would normally be selling, um, largely to restaurants, uh, but also to um, shops. And all the stuff that was going to restaurants then had to pivot into shops. Uh, we set up an online selling thing, which we'd want to do for a few years, but never had time to do it. Um, well, we, we suddenly learned very quickly how to do it. And it's been, it's been a big success for us so far. Um, it's been, it, it, we don't normally meet or hear from our customers. So it's really nice to get some lovely reports from people, how excited they are to receive cheese boxes from us. And I see that as being a big part of our future going forward. And that's, you know, I've I've had to furlough a couple of workers. We're only processing half the amount of milk um, that I normally process. I'm not processing any sheep's milk. And the man I buy sheep's milk from is freezing his milk and throwing his milk away because um, he supplies lots of cheese makers and we're all in the same boat. It's such a shame about the hearing about the wastage that the, the milk is having to be thrown away. Yeah. But I guess you can only freeze so much and then your freezers are full. That, that's, that's the problem. And, and, it, and this is peak milk production time of year for cows, goats and sheep. This is, you know, and I know French farm, you know, French farm, goat farmers are, are cutting back by 25% because their factories just can't cope with the volume of milk that's, that's coming their way because they've got no export. Um, they've got lots of sick workers in the factory, so they haven't got the staff to process the milk. It's it's all these knock-on effects. I mean, all, all we hear about in the news is stay at home and, and, and you know, don't go out. But actually, mm -hmm. there's lots of food businesses just trying to survive, and you can't you can't just turn animals off. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've we've culled we've culled twenty percent of our goats um, to, to to reduce our you know, the amount of milk we've got. Because although I've got space at the moment to process it into hard cheese, I've only got so much space. And if I fill that up now, mm. later in the year, I won't have any space at all. So it's trying to balance the problem now and the, the problem in a month's time. 
And also, I guess, not knowing how long this is likely to go on. Uh, it's one of the reasons I think that I kind of wanted to start doing this was to talk to different people around the food industry, because you're right, there's a lot that we aren't hearing about. And I had no idea that farmers were having to cull animals because of the the slowdown. I mean, that's just must have just been heartbreaking for you guys and horrible to hear as a as a cheese lover. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's not it's not good. I mean, you know, these are animals that I would have I would have culled within the next twelve months, and I just had to cull them early to reduce my costs um, and reduce the amount of milk I'm producing. So rather than feeding animals and, and then throwing the milk away, um, it's the better solution is to is to um, slaughter those animals for meat. And um, you know, and and it was a case of well, if we don't do it now, they might shut the slaughterhouses. And I might mm, be stuck mm. three or four months. So it's, yeah, it's goodness. It's 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 a very you have to make quick de- make decisions early. Um, and I think the thing that's amazed me is the way a lot of our customers have, have pivoted their businesses. So we sell to wholesalers who supply restaurants and, and shops, and they've had to pivot their business completely into shops. A lot of them are doing their own online selling. And doing local deliveries in, in the towns where they're based and, and things like that. And it's interesting, the smaller companies have pivoted faster than the bigger companies just because they yeah. can make decisions. And yeah, I, I think yeah. it's in a lot of industries. And actually, that um, I do want to talk more about the the changes that have been happening for you but that brings us quite nicely into Leon's story because Leon you're working in restaurants that have now closed to the public and are having to do things in a very different way aren't you yeah yeah it's, it's crazy really like the amount of um not even just the the sort of restaurants I work for it's also the ones around there like you see like these big sort of even like your higher end sort of places like the Michelin sort of places are just turning into just essentially just veg stores now so they're they're um, just selling like uh, boxes of like things like nice veg nice meat cheese and milk and stuff so like the sort of weekly boxes that'll get you through get you through the week essentially because it's hard to not so much now but especially the first couple of weeks when this was going on was it's really hard to get anything really in the in the supermarkets and it's also it's much less risk sort of getting these sort of boxes because you're it's, it's very like less contact than going into like a large supermarket for example and then also it's using it to sort of support the like Bristol's sort of food scene as well and so you work in a couple of really bu- busy and popular places around Bristol and you were mentioning to me just before we started recording how weird it is that you're now cooking in a kitchen purely for delivery yeah so I'm at, I'm at the Athenian now and we're um we're exclusively on delivery so um it's actually I've been there for two weeks and it's it's changed so much even since I started there like originally we were we just had like just delivery and then like they the delivery riders would come in and grab the food and things like that but as it's progressed and got worse we now have the entire uh, like unit shut off with somebody at the door now so like there's nobody is coming inside the the restaurant apart from like the chefs and the and the sort of waiters and stuff like that and are you busy are you busier than normal or do you think it's just extremely yeah it's gone it's gone like it's skyrocketed it's, I, like i 
I don't know personally. I'm just going off of what they've told me because I, I wasn't I was obviously not working there beforehand, but they just said like them they're like selling more just through Deliveroo alone than they were set through Deliveroo and uh, like running as a restaurant. This is probably a question for both yourself and Roger, but I know certainly from my perspective as someone who enjoys food and enjoys supporting independent food businesses, do you think that people are spending more with the independents because they see that with maybe less support coming from the government than some of the bigger organisations that that's where they should be spending their money. Do you think that's why the Athenian is busier or do you think it's just that um, people don't want to cook, <laughs> I guess? I think it's sort of a, a mix of all of it, really. I think it's it, mainly because that's really the only place open. Like I'm uh, I'm not sure if you've been down to Wapping Wharf before, but there is a ton of restaurants there. And out of every single restaurant there, we are the only one that's actually open. Mm-hmm. So they're, they can only get... So anyone in that sort of immediate area and then like the sort of city centre area, that's the only place that they've got really to order food from on Deliveroo. Plus they, they've they marketed it quite well and things like that. And they are putting out a really good product too. But I also do believe that people are starting to realise that at the end of the day, if they don't support these sort of smaller companies, they're, um, they're going to go under. So, and they've gone from being like a really thriving company. So like, for example, now in this sort of nice hot weather, the Wapping Wharf is like insane down there. Like it's, it's so busy. And then it's the place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's right on the riverfront. It's all like, it's outside seating, things like that. It's just a really cool area to be where now it's just like an absolute wasteland. Like I was speaking to one of the, the guy who owns the store next door to us. And he was just basically essentially telling me that this might potentially ruin him because this is the sort of time of year where they make like all the sort of, they they sell the most food where they're not really, obviously they're not getting that opportunity to do that now because I think with one of the things I've noticed with Deliveroo of working at different restaurants is you need to be on there on a constant basis for it to be busy where these guys trying to like, because they've not got the staff or whatever it is, they're trying to like only open in the night or only open a couple of days a week and things like that. And it just, uh, continuity is quite key when you're like uh, using delivery as a sort of a delivery service. And so Roger, you mentioned earlier, you've actually almost had your hand pushed to, to start selling to customers directly through your website. Do you think that that will continue once you go back to normal and selling your cheeses through shops and wholesale and to restaurants yes i think i think it will it's it's opened us up to a a lot of customers who wouldn't normally be able to access our products because we don't sell supermarkets we only sell um to good cheese shops and, and good farm shops and stuff like that um and so it's it's opened up a whole new business area for us really i always knew it was there but we were always too busy to tap into it before so yeah we will be doing a lot of work going forward um to to maintain that and and possibly even looking at supplying small shops um directly as 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 well um because we we have the advantage we have such a a vast range of, of of cheese um small shops could potentially buy all the cheese they need um from us 
in 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 one easy package. So we will see what happens with that. Um, I think your your point about are people looking to support independence? I don't think people are looking to support independence. They just are because they happen to live locally to one, and the independents are the ones that have got off their backsides and um, done something about this, rather than just sitting there and going, "Oh, we're going to shut up shop and and take the furlough money from the government and uh, worry about it afterwards." Um, I'm very much a believer you, you you can't sit and wait for someone to help you. You have to you have to get off your backside and, and, and do something. Uh, you don't always know if it's the right thing, but I, I've, you know you, you have to do something. Just sitting there feeling sorry for yourself doesn't help anybody. Um, and by the sound of it, that the restaurant in Bristol is the only one that's got off its ass and, and done something. Um, and I think that I I think there will be a change. I think a lot of whether these restaurants will will stick with this model going forward. But I think it's for a lot of them, it's they'll attract much bigger custom. Um, because a large part of eating in a restaurant is actually sitting in the restaurant. If you can have that food delivered to the comfort of your house, um, uh, I think a lot of people will, will continue to do that. I think that the danger, the danger is that that you don't get the loyalty to the restaurant and you start getting these what they deliver call these dark restaurants. It's basically a shipping container producing food that's sort of unbranded becomes an issue. But we will see. You've led me really nicely into a question for Sally. Um, So Sally, you obviously live in Dubai and you've told me previously that it's already a delivery mad city. So a lot of the businesses there are already really well set up for this. Has coronavirus changed anything very much or has it kind of been less that businesses are making these huge adaptions to their to their model or are they just kind of cracking on with it right well there's been massive changes um yeah uh dubai is a really food-centric uh place there i mean there's a population of 4.1 million people in dubai obviously it's had a, has a huge tourism industry as well and that's gone ground to halt um but there are eleven thousand eight hundred restaurants wow so you can see how um how concentrated that is and you know what um an environment that is um dubai really locked down very early on so i mean schools have been closed for weeks and weeks and weeks um they shut down restaurants quite a few weeks ago for eating in um, and then we've been on total lockdown um, for a week and a half. But before then, they put in curfews. So the whole city really has shut down. So all these restaurants, if you think that people are trying to survive in the UK, there are so many restaurants here that are fighting for their lives, basically. Mm. And whereas they were um, relying on the deliveries before, some of them, um, and we have, I, I made a list of all the delivery companies. We have a Kareem now, Zomato, Deliveroo, Talibat, Uber Eats, Food Karma, and all sorts of, there's, there's loads. So um, now all the restaurants pretty much are trying to deliver. A lot have changed their model to, um, to deliver food. Um, and in fact, uh, one of the chains here, small chains, they're doing delivery boxes, um, so you can sort of make your uh, food at home with the ingredients. Um, but even the very high-end restaurants have started to do it as well. 
So this is quite interesting. The fine dining um, are actually delivering as well. So very, very high-end restaurants are suddenly having to deliver. So, yeah, it's um, interesting times. And uh, there's been a big backlash about, against the um, delivery companies because a lot of them charge uh, up to 25% uh, to, to deliver. Um, so there have been uh, the... the um, the community has rallied around and various people have set up um, websites so that you can um, order direct from the restaurants rather than having to go through the delivery companies so that they're not um, paying so much for them. And, yeah, just saying, please support the restaurants. Um, there's, uh, what's it called, UAE Restaurants Unite uh, hashtag um, and a friend of mine called Foodiva, who's an independent restaurant reviewer. Um, if you look on her Instagram, on her stories, it's just she's she's taking all the uh, promotion from all these restaurants, and uh, you'll see how many are out there and all um, delivering. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> I've definitely heard um, restaurants here in Bristol that are unhappy with the fees that Deliveroo charge and rightly mm. so because I think it's higher than that and I know that they I don't know if they've changed now but they were still charging the same setup to companies coming on during the coronavirus yeah. which obviously um isn't great when they're kind of small yeah. independents, like Roger said, actually trying to do something to keep themselves going. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I don't think that there's anything like that here where people have rallied around to try and get around it. Leon, you might know a bit more than me on that front. Uh, there's places, it's quite similar. Like there's places that, um, like Sally said about changing their like concept completely, like for example, Poco Tapas in um, on in Stokes Croft has literally gone from being a tapas dining restaurant to just selling like ready-made meals to take home and takeaway only sort of thing. So, and they're also again they're on Deliveroo. Then you have got like the more higher end stuff, like I was saying earlier, selling the sort of veg boxes. I know there's like breweries and things like that, and now doing beer deliveries yeah wiper and true here in bristol are doing deliveries and they're actually delivering the beer themselves aren't they they're not using uh one of these delivery companies at all yeah i, I think most of them are like i got some the other day from uh, uh croft ales and they they've literally got like a big cooler van thing and they're just driving around and delivering basically like i ordered it that morning and they delivered it that same day they were just like yeah we'll be there about 12 <laughs> so I, it was a uh, yeah it's pretty crazy going back to something that we picked up on earlier um where i was mentioning about maybe people are wanting to support the independence more and long may it continue maybe even if people don't necessarily want to, if people are loyal to Tesco's and love the big supermarkets, you might find, I don't know about in Dubai, but certainly here in the UK, that people have to almost support the independence by default just because that's where things are now available. Um, because then there might be people who are trying to order their cheese here from Sainsbury's and can't get a a, a slot for delivery for another four weeks might come across Roger's website, for example, and then hopefully 
yes, be supporting him in the short term, but maybe realise that the product's better and there's provenance there and might it might continue afterwards. So it could be a silver lining. Yeah, I agree. I, d- I definitely believe there will be there will be some forms of positives from this in terms of like with the food industry because like, I see a lot of people myself that like go into things like bakeries and stuff like that because they can't get flour anymore and then they're going to realize that when when they bake products with this much like better quality flour or better quality veg or whatever they're going to realize it you do there is a reason why yeah it might cost a little bit more but there's a reason behind that because it's, it's very good quality and I feel like I hope anyway that that will carry on once all this is sort of gone away we can uh hopefully people will carry on doing that. I mean, the disaster would be if the power um, is forced into even smaller um, amount of really big food companies who are controlling the uh, the supply chain uh, and pushing some of the artisans out. Um, that worries me for when I come back to England and want to go and shop at all the nice shops and buy cheese from little cheese makers. I do worry about that, I must say. Yeah, I mean, for us, one of, one of our concerns is, you know, we're very loyal to the, the shops that currently sell our cheese. And I, and I, you know, and I want to continue selling the cheese. The danger for us, if, if we start doing very well online, that potentially starts to take some, some business away from them. Um, and, I, I, you know, I'm sort of torn between the, the, the two really so we're just going to wait and see what happens with that we, we won't actively go out to um take that market share away from the shops but i'm just worried that people get quite used to having a weekly cheese box um arrive or a monthly cheese box arrive um one of the other things Liam was talking about was flour um our local supermarket still has no flour but one of our one of our wholesale customers is buying 16 kilo bags of flour and putting it into one kilo bags and selling it on their online um, shop. So they're going to deliver some of that to us so we can put that as an option in the cheese box because we're sending out boxes of cheese that weigh about three kilos, but we can actually send 20 kilos for the same price. So other things that we can That's amazing. add in there that will be useful for people. Um, we will do that. I read somewhere that the reason that there is a flour shortage um, at a a consumer level is that it's the packaging, not the flour. Yeah. This comes back to the McDonald's milk situation that you mentioned at the start, Roger, in that actually because of these huge supply chains and being stuck in certain processes and certain ways of doing things, wastage and also shortages aren't necessarily down to the the product itself, but the, the process that surrounds them. Oh, absolutely. You, you, can, you can buy pasta very easily if you want to buy it in 10 kilo bags. Um, same with flour. There's just the com- don't actually as a country consume much of our flour in small one kilo bags. Most of it goes into the catering trade, the baking trade as 16 kilo sacks. And there's not many factories that can package one kilo bags and they've run out of bags. Yes. Yeah. So that's there's nothing available just because A, there's, there's not much bagging capacity and B, they've run out of bags. And I don't know whether the bags come from China or where they come from. We've, we're having problems accessing cardboard boxes at the moment to, to package our deliveries 
you know, we, we, we're buying ice packs from three different companies now. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a constant battle to stay one step ahead um, for everything that we need to do our online sales. Being over in Dubai, Sally, yes. a lot of your food must be imported. So are you seeing shortages there? And if so, what kind of things are you seeing running out? Well, um, 85% of the food is imported into the UAE. So, yeah, we're very reliant on uh, imports. However, right at the start, the government said there's plenty of food. And that does seem to be the case. Um, It's just getting it, to be honest. Um, In this lockdown, we have to apply for a permit um, online and you have to show your receipt if you're stopped and you have to go out for food that's essential or for medicine and that's it um so it's whether you brave the supermarkets to be honest because it's a lockdown um my husband and i we haven't we've thought it's lockdown so we've managed to get quite a few things delivered um uh but my friend went to carful the other day and she said it was absolutely totally stocked with everything except for tonic water seems to have have sold out everywhere since the lockdown gin and tonics Um, tuesday night wednesday night thursday night (laughs) yeah yeah so that's um, that's the shortage um but really uh face masks i think are a bit hard to get hold of um because you have to wear them if you go out um and those gloves but yeah pretty much at the moment um, the shelves are stocked um, and there's a plentiful food supply, um, which, as I say, if you think that that's how much is imported, um, mm. I mean, I, I don't know what sort of impact places like Italy um, closing down uh, makes for imports. You know, there must be a knock-on effect around the world, but uh, at the moment we haven't seen any um, any example, any effect of that to be honest so yeah we're in a little bubble <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens as time goes on because yeah. none of us know how long this will happen but you're right no. pasta for example and uh, trying to think what things like tin tomatoes where do they come from it's yeah. at the moment perhaps we're still using up uh stocks that different countries had imported already but what happens Mm. if this continues over say another two or three months that's what will be interesting i think yeah Yeah. i felt a bit guilty because i went down to my local waitrose and had masses of waitrose tin tomatoes here in dubai and i was thinking oh they've run out in england (laughs) this has come from england (laughs) but um but the reason we've run out is because people panic bought yeah i i i i I think the main the main thing on the food supply is whether stuff is is flown or shipped. So things like tins will be on ship, so they'll still they'll still travel and that'll be fine. But it's things like um, ah. your sugar stands from Morocco, they would normally come on a plane, and although cargo planes are still flying, most passenger planes fifty percent of it is cargo. So because they're not flying, a lot of that stuff is is just not going to come, and you'll you'll see the supermarkets reduce the range of those sort of products that they have mm. um, to what they can get their hands on. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Roger, you've answered so many fascinating things for me. I feel like I need to I'm get full, you on I'm again. Full of rubbish, mate. Full of rubbish. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. 
<laughs> I'm enjoying it. It's good. I'm glad that we went for a second week of attempting to get over these tech technological issues to do this recording. <laughs> One of the upsides, and I feel like this has been quite a positive conversation. Um, some of the other episodes have been a little bit more somber, but one of the upsides from this situation is that the food community really does seem to be pulling together. And certainly here in the UK, there are huge numbers of chefs and uh, people who would normally be working in the food industry or volunteering their time to help those less fortunate than themselves. And here in Bristol, we have something called the Bristol Food Union, which um started up a couple of weeks ago and it's an informal collective of restaurants food businesses and community organizations um and one of the things they're doing is providing hot cooked meals for the vulnerable and nhs staff around the city uh leon is going to be involved in this so uh, i thought i'd give it a little plug but also leon can you tell us what kind of stuff you're going to be doing yeah so the the basics of it is they have about five or six prep kitchens in different areas of bristol so they can access um all the different areas basically so they like not too much has to travel it's also the people involved don't have to travel as much and um yeah, they're basically just creating these meals, sort of like easy meals or um, like boxes of produce and bread and things like that, and then just sending it off to things like the NHS staff and the more sort of vulnerable people that couldn't can't really go out. It's a lot of contact-free sort of delivery that they're going to be doing. Uh, they also have uh, Ashton Gate has opened up their doors for them to like supply every to like uh, stock everything there. Buxton's the the uh, butchery has like offered a, a meat like a cold refrigerated van for them. So there's a lot of places that are very like giving up not only their time but also their resources to sort of help this project. So for those who don't know, Ashton Gate is is it a football stadium? It's a big stadium, isn't it? Yeah, it's the big uh, yeah football and rugby stadium. Yeah, it's a mass. It's huge. Seats like thirty thousand people or something like that. Which will obviously be fantastic for, I guess, food storage and prep. I guess it's um, what are they using the space for? I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> Just a sort of a as a, I guess like a, a depot for everything basically. So they're like all the boxes and stuff are all going to be going there. Uh, all the foods getting sent there, and then they've just got so much storage there that they can um, they can essentially then get all these boxes out in like this, these vans, like I said, from Buxton's uh, to to get it out to people still fresh and still like, like for things like meat and milk and stuff. And obviously, you don't want it you don't want it out in like room temperature, especially now the weather has decided to be nice again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it just feels like there is this real community aspect. And I know it's not just here in Bristol. Uh, I recorded an episode a couple of nights ago, which is not a coronavirus episode. It's a, a usual one with my friend and um compadre does that just mean friend i don't know um a guy that runs a similar podcast to this but in birmingham and i know that in birmingham um much the same is happening and i guess it's hopefully happening all over the uk but it's great that you're volunteering your time to that for me personally it's just um it's like my uh, the company i work for is is very sort of high high in it like very involved in it so it's my way of helping them out and then also it gets me out of the house a bit as well. It gives me something to do. Like I'm, I 
as a chef, I spend all my time basically in kitchens. So this time has sort of been a bit, been a bit, bad, a bit bad for me really. So I'm just sort of sat at home. I'm cooking a lot at home, but I'm not really. I feel like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing anything really that's like is fulfilling. So um, doing something like this is a is a good chance for me to sort of get out a bit. Helps help some people out that definitely need it and. And yeah, just sort of try and do my bit to keep this uh, Bristol food scene alive. Amazing. Well, thank you. I, I was going to say the kindness of people um, has been something that I've really valued from, uh, see, we're here and we can't travel and have older relatives back in the UK. Um, and it's really worrying and it's it's hard because we're here. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really nice to know that my mum's neighbour pops in and asks her pretty much every day whether she needs anything from the shops um, and various people are rallying around. So um, it really helps when you're far away, especially, you know, I can't even do a food delivery from them because for them, um, you know, because of the delivery times, et cetera. And people on their own, they, they're not going to spend, you know, 40 quid or something as the uh, minimum charge. So knowing that the people around them are looking after them has been been great really fantastic um so long may that community spirit continue absolutely yeah we've got a lady who we're well she's placed a third order online with us now and she basically buys a whole load of cheese cuts it up into smaller portions and then delivers it round to the rest of the people in her village uh-huh. that's a great I idea we um recently moved into our house i've mentioned this on a couple of these episodes now so sorry listeners if you've heard me drone on about this before uh we bought our first house a week before lockdown and the first thing we did was print out the letters with our names and phone numbers and ask people if they need any help and if anyone's self-isolating we can pick up their shopping and we have found ourselves in the most wonderful community and i don't know if that's it's always like that here or whether we've we've um, just arrived on it and with luck or whether it's the coronavirus that has put pulled everyone together but the whatsapp group is active pretty much a couple of times a day and it's not just us fetching shopping there are other people all within the group helping each other oh i'm i've got a spare bag of nappies that my child's grown out of does anyone want them and it's been for us luckily a really lovely that's kind of the wrong word but it's been an amazing time for us to to move because we feel like we know all these people now and everyone's helping each other and we've all said that when this is over we're going to have a street party which i'm really looking forward to actually meeting these people we'll have to get a load of cheese in i think absolutely Absolutely. and and, and, and a good chef to come and cook with it i think is uh, yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. invite me (laughs) yeah I come over in the summer. <laughs> Absolutely. You're all invited. I'm sure my guests wouldn't mind. <laughs> Sounds good. So a lot of the groups that are popping up around Britain, like the one that I just talked about here where I live, are mutual aid groups, neighbours helping neighbours, kind of taking the the ball into their own court, I guess, and helping each other out. Is that something that you've seen much of in Dubai, Sally? Well, I feel a bit removed at the moment. I think a lot of us do because we are in total lockdown. Um, You know, I think there's a a greater freedom in the UK um, for better or for Mm. worse. Um, But I can't even walk my dog. Um, 
at the moment. So we, we um, so seeing visible signs of that um, is well, I haven't, but I have heard that because of this, in some areas, it's more difficult to get food um, because it's little shops or there there aren't the delivery services going to those areas. So, and also, there's quite a few people who have very low incomes here. Um, so I do believe that there are some community initiatives to try and uh, deliver rice and you know very various basics to the poorest members of the community. And I have also seen um, for health workers, the same as some of the initiatives in the UK, some of the restaurants um, are making meals. And uh, actually, there was a chocolatier who was delivering his chocolate because his shops were closed um i've forgotten his name famous french chocolatier so um delivering those all to health workers to keep them going so yeah there's there's quite a lot going on um i think out there but uh as i say a bit removed at the moment um so yeah brilliant it's so lovely to hear all the community supporting each other last week before we were due to record this interview i tweeted to ask if our listeners would like to ask you guys any questions and i had two i I would have liked a few more but i had two so the first one is from rishi in leicester and i guess this is probably a good one for you leon he says what is the most versatile tinned item you can think of Tin tomatoes. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, tin tomatoes for sure. You can you can do so much with them. You can make um, you can make all different kind of pasta sauces. You can essentially cook anything, like any sort of vegetable. So myself, for example, I've been I haven't been cooking much meat since. Well, I'm, I don't really eat much meat anyway. But especially over the last um, couple of weeks, I've I've not really been cooking with meat. So. I do a lot of uh, potatoes and things like that. And I feel like anything I cook, I just can just chuck some tin tomatoes with it and it just comes out really nice. So that's the one. It's a very sort of uh, versatile item to use. And if you can't get them in the supermarkets, they always have them in the corner shops. Yeah. So it's probably something that's still quite easy to get hold of. Although I know Sally said that they'd run out in Waitrose, but maybe if you avoid Waitrose, you might find them. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, personally, I haven't had a like apart from like that first week where everyone just went a bit crazy and bought everything. I um I haven't really experienced much trouble in getting things like things like that. Well, hopefully, people won't going forward because everything's starting to settle down. I think the next question is from Dave in Bristol, um, and it's specifically for Roger. It's about cheese, so. He asked whether you have more cheese to sell now um, because a lot of your stockists are closed. And with your hard cheeses, can you just mature them for longer or do they are they going to waste? That's kind of twofold. <laughs> OK, so uh, do we have more cheese? We had more cheese than we'd like to have. Um, the soft cheeses, we've now managed to, to sell um, pretty much all of that, which is great news. Um, and we're now back to making soft cheese again as our, our customers have started clearing their stocks of what they had to sell and they're now looking for, for fresh stocks. So we're making soft cheese again, which is great. The hard cheese, um, yeah, we make hard, several hard cheeses, uh, a hard 
cheap pecorino, which will mature for six months. And that will last 12 months quite happily. Um, we do a hard goat cheese called Rachel, which again, we mature for, for three months. Uh, we also do a, a 12 kilo Rachel Reserva, which will mature for 12 months. So those cheeses will keep for longer, but there's only so much space I've got to put them in. Um, and they require a huge amount of work, turning and cleaning. So they start to become very expensive cheeses to, to, to keep. Mm. So, we, you know, we are selling our cheese, even our hard cheese, um, at a reduced price at the moment just to keep the, the stock levels under control because in three weeks' time, we have another three goats that will start kidding, um, which is another 1,000 litres of milk a day. Um, to, wow. to find a home for, and if I if I if I fill my store with cheese now, in three weeks' time, I won't have anywhere to put the next lot. So it, it's trying to balance lots of logistics of lots of different balls in the air at the same time. So it's interesting mm. to say the least. Mm. Thank you so much, all three of you, for A, persevering with me to get this episode recorded after failing last Wednesday. I think at one point we all thought we'd be back next week as well for our weekly failed phone-in. I really appreciate you giving me your time and I love hearing your stories. I'm going to close with some positive news because I've opened every one of these episodes with quite sad news. So China is coming out of lockdown. Spain has started to ease some restrictions and more than 460,000 people have now recovered from coronavirus worldwide. We're being told that PPE equipment is finally reaching our frontline staff. And whilst we're not there yet, there is positive news out there if you look for it. Remember to wash your hands for 20 seconds at a time. Stay at home as much as you can. And if you're feeling isolated, get in touch with your neighbours, family, friends and look for local support groups. Remember, we're all in this together and community is key to making out the other side. Stay safe, everyone, and speak to you soon. Mm -hmm.